Well, good morning, church. So glad you're with us this morning. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're in a series entitled Moments and looking at the life of Jesus. It's an Easter series for us, and we're preparing for Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, and looking at the life of Jesus. Pastor Ray talked about the transfiguration last week. How many believe that would have been a moment with Jesus? Amen. And a moment I want to reference this morning is the Beatitudes, uh, a moment in Jesus' teaching. Show of hands, who's heard of the Beatitudes before? Yeah, a lot of us. And I uh, believe that God's still speaking this morning, isn't he? And I think sometimes in my own life, I can have uh, what I like to call selective listening. Anyone else of that? Don't nudge your spouse in this moment, right? But I think we can do that with God too. But how many know he wants us to hear all of his words? He wants us to receive what he has for us. So I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 4 at the end, and it will set us up for where I'm going to spend the bulk of our time in Matthew chapter 5. This is the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus traveled through the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every disease and illness, and news spread about him as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Verse 25, so large crowds, they followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the river. Chapter 5, this is the beginning of where we're going to spend most of our time today. One day as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, he went up to a mountainside. He sat down and his disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach them. And we're going to read what he began to teach in just a few moments. Lord, thank you for your word. Shape us to be people more like you. This isn't a lecture. This isn't intellectual ascent where we just know more things about your word. This is divine moments, encounters with the living God and the word of God. So shape us to be more who you're calling us to be, disciples, just as these disciples sat under Jesus' teaching, Lord, today, we, all of us, we sit under your teaching for what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Unless you want to do it like Jesus did it, where he, everyone else stood up and he was sitting down. We could flip, flip-flop this morning. I'll sit down, you stand. No, we won't do that. I was, um, I was... On a YouTube thing this week, how many know you start on YouTube and then like six hours later, 20 videos later, you're still on YouTube? Has anyone else been there? Yes. Uh, and I was watching some of the, the most uh, famous speeches of all time. And uh, in fact, I'll, I'll say some of the one-liners from some of these speeches and let's see if you can remember them. That's one small step for man, one giant for mankind. Neil Armstrong, Pastor Ray's uncle. And... Um, how about this one? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask. Yeah, famous JFK inaugural address. How about this one? On the, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. I have a dream. Martin Luther King. This one is, is a fun one. Famous politician. And obviously we don't have videos of this one, but there's people that have recounted it and Give me liberty or give me, yes, Patrick Henry. If I were to add a fifth to this list, I think it would actually be number one is maybe one of the most famous sermons, speeches of all time. It would be the Beatitudes. 
Jesus has this sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7, where he's teaching his disciples the way of the kingdom. And I believe at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, which is what we call the Beatitudes, I believe it would be one of the most well-known sermons and speeches of all time that, that everyone, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, has probably heard of at least the Beatitudes. What the Beatitudes do is they show us the way of the kingdom. Jesus comes in his teachings. We just read it. He came to show us the kingdom of God. And what he shows us is he shows us the who. Everyone say who. He shows us the ways. Everyone say the ways. And then the witness of, of the kingdom. So that's where we're going to spend our time this morning, talking about the who of the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom, and what it means to witness for, for the kingdom. So let's start. The who of the kingdom. We just read it, but I'll, I'll remind you. Jesus came proclaiming the good news about the kingdom, and every person he came encountered with, he, he spent an intentional time with them. He healed them. He listened to them. It says they healed their diseases. He healed them all, the epileptic or the paralyzed. Wherever he went, it began to draw large crowds because of the ministry that Jesus was doing. Who is the who of the kingdom? Jesus came for the broken. Jesus came for the hurting. Jesus came for those that were sick, those that had disease. And how many know when we study the scriptures, there's a, there's a whole world behind this text, right? Like we, we in 2023 are here in Sumner, Washington with a context but there's also a context in the scriptures in Matthew chapter five. And so Jesus shows up on the scene in a time of the Greco-Roman era. This is under Roman rule. And just nod at me every once in a while, so make sure you're with me. And, and the, the Roman rule was this, was this, a lot of, we talk about these 10 cities. In fact, it referenced them. And Rome was amazing in a lot of ways. Rome taught us uh, the structures that our cities are. We, we still kind of follow the way Rome went. How many are thankful for the water systems, right? And the, the showers, everyone said amen, and the toilets and all those amazing things that we have, uh, schools and places for people go, to go and worship, all these things that Rome had. But in, in all of Rome's greatness, there was also something that Rome was known for and it was this oppression of faith people. You see, Rome didn't want anything to compete with Caesar. Caesar had to be first in Rome. And so anything else that would compete with Caesar would, would have been persecuted. I'm trying to get you to see this morning the world behind the text. When Jesus shows up, he's showing up to proclaim the kingdom in a world where believers would have been persecuted. In fact, let me illustrate it this way. We were, when we were in Israel a few weeks ago, we went to this athletic arena and this athletic arena would have been used in, for many things, but one of them would have been to persecute Christians, persecute Jews, persecute people that were faith people. And so they would go out in the middle of this arena and it was entertainment to watch them be killed, watch them be murdered. And then they would, they would take the bodies and they would, they would put them into this gate. And this is the gate that we know in the scriptures, at least one of the gates we know is the gates of Hades. In the scriptures, when it talks about the gates of Hades, this is what they would have been referring to. So what is Jesus saying? And the gates of Hades will not prevail. What's he saying? Death will not prevail. The, the death, how many know for us as faith people, death doesn't have the final say. And this was what they understood, but this is the persecution in which they lived in. Are you with me this morning? So when Jesus shows up on the scene, 
So Matthew chapter five, and he begins teaching as he does all throughout the gospels. This is the context in which he's teaching to. He, he's, he, he's saying these beatitudes to uneducated people, to believers that would have been seen on the outside, to the misfits, to those that wouldn't have been welcomed into Rome. This is who, and this is what Jesus is doing. He's broadening the gates and saying, anybody that wants to be a part of my kingdom is welcomed. Aren't you thankful this morning that the kingdom of God is not just for a select educated few, but the kingdom of God, Jesus comes on the scene and says, anyone whosoever should believe in me can be entered into God's kingdom. So who the kingdom? Jesus, he expands the horizon, says anyone can be a part of the kingdom. And this is the context in which he goes and speaks the Beatitudes. He's speaking to people who were oppressed, people who were on the outskirts of society. And this is the very context in which we learn the ways of the kingdom. So that's the who of the kingdom. Let's talk about the ways of the kingdom. And we're gonna kind of go through Jesus's words. Remember, he's sitting down on the mountainside and all these people are listening to him. And he, he says this, the first thing he says is, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In other words, if we were to translate this, God blesses those who are at the end of their rope. This word poor doesn't really mean financially poor, though maybe we could take it in that context. What he's really speaking at is people that were spiritually poor, people that were at the end of their rope, people that might have been so discouraged. Could you imagine being someone living under Roman rule and being so discouraged about your faith? And here comes Jesus, the first line out of his mouth on the Sermon of the Mount, one of the Beatitudes, God blesses those of you who are poor. Could you imagine how comforting that would be? Could you imagine how reassuring that would be? What's this mean? Church, when we realize that we are, we are poor apart from Christ, and you know what I mean by that, Right? Like you take Christ out of the equation, out of our life, we have nothing, zero. You can have all the money in the world, all the status of the world, all the influence of the world, but if you don't have Christ, what do you really have? What you have is things that will fade away and will burn up and will not be here one day. But when you have Christ, you have everything. So when he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, they've realized that everything else doesn't matter, they're so desperate for Jesus. This is what Jesus says. And what's the blessing? Those who are poor, the blessing is that the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then he keeps going. He says, God blesses those who mourn for you'll be comforted. Could you imagine sitting under Jesus' teaching? What a moment that would have been. You're, you're mourning because you've lost a loved one to Roman rule. You're mourning because of the different things that are going on and, and you're feeling discouraged. And Jesus says, listen, part of the kingdom is that God blesses those who mourn. This is the kingdom of God. How many know in our culture, it's like this, it's like happiness at all cost. It's like fake it till you make it. Make, don't go through the tough things. Don't acknowledge the tough things of your life. And how many you know, the kingdom of God, God wants us to bring our real selves unto him. God blesses those who mourn. Because here's the truth. For those of us that have gone through loss, and I can imagine it's most of us, if not all of us in this room, maybe loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of finances, loss of a relationship, loss of a dream, we can realize the hurts that that means to our, in our lives to mourn. And our culture says, that didn't really affect you. That's not really that big of a deal. Don't sweat it. That's not Jesus. 
See, Jesus wants us as we are. And when we can bring those things to Jesus and we can mourn those things, what's the promise? Then you'll be comforted. How many know there's a comfort that comes from Jesus that is greater than any mourning? He meets us at those point of need. And he's, as Psalm 23 says, he comforts us through the valley of the shadow of death. This is Jesus. Bless those who mourn. And then he keeps going. God blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the earth. Remember, this is Jesus. He's teaching. He's just going through these one-liners. God blesses those who are poor. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. Why? For they will inherit the earth. Now, don't nudge anyone in this room. Don't nudge the person next to you. But have you ever met someone that always needs to one-up you? Have you, have you been there before? Like, um, like, I don't know how to make coffee. Like, I, and those of you in this room, I'm a little... If, I'm a little bit jealous. Like, Pastor Daniel knows how to make coffee, you know? Like, like, he's got this coffee machine. He knows the different, I don't even know. I can't even explain it, right? Like, the weight of the beans and all the thing and how you do it. And, and, um, like, and I'm like, I'm just going to go through the Starbucks drive-thru, amen? <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but have you ever met people before that every time you're like, I've got this, they one-up you? I, I can do it better than this. Pastor Daniel doesn't do that, by the way. I just want to make sure. I don't have you. He just... He's not like, oh, you've got your Starbucks today, huh? No, he doesn't do that. But haven't you been there? You've been on a trip and you're telling someone about your experience and they've got to tell you about their better experience. Have you been there with these kinds of things? Jesus says this, God blesses those who are humble. What's this mean? God blesses those who are content with who they are. Isn't it just so refreshing today? You don't have to try and leverage or strive or, no, no, Jesus, what his call for you is to just live into who you are called to be. This is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is that we would live as people, as people of humility. I think this is a metric of the kingdom of God is that it's when people live with humility. When people live just knowing who they are, God, you've given me all the gifts I have, the talents I have, the family I'm in, the influence I have, and I'm gonna be good with that. And how many know that's what you're called to do too? the family you're in, the places that you're at. This is what God's called you to live in. And you don't gotta worry, you can just be content with that. What it does is allows us to live as people with open hands. It allows us to live as people more interested in the kingdom than the, than, than the kingdom of me. More interested in the kingdom of God than in the kingdom of me. This is what Jesus says, bless those who are humble. Then he keeps going. He said, bless, God blesses those who hunger. That's not like Big Mac hunger. This is different. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice or that word is righteousness in a lot of contexts. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, I don't have a lot of time to, to talk about this, but I guess my, my question for you to reflect on would be, what is the fire in your bones? What's the thing that wakes you up in the morning so excited to get to be a part of? What, what motivates you? As for me, I wanna be the type of person that wakes up so motivated, so compelled by the love of God. And that, that hunger and thirst for my life is, is nothing else than wanting to live my life, my heart, my soul, my strength, everything that I have, living it unto the glory of God. I wanna hunger and thirst for that. How about you? I wanna hunger and thirst that God might use me as a person of hope, to bring the righteousness of God through my life and through our community together, that I would hunger and thirst that when we gather on a, on a Sunday morning, this is just the gathering. This is just the huddle. 
And this is an important huddle. Don't get me wrong. We need to be here. We need to be in God's house. We need to come and be encouraged. But we gather, and then what do we do? We scatter. I'm so thankful that the people of Calvary, we, we don't just see this as a, as a place that we gather in these four walls. No, 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 this is where we gather. But then, man, we go to Boeing, we go to Amazon, we go to your workplaces, we go to Starbucks, we go to the places around our community and we hunger and thirst for the things of God to be manifested in our lives, through our lives to the people around us. That's how the kingdom works. And this is what Jesus is saying. Do you hunger and thirst for that? For then you'll be fully satisfied. If you're hungering and thirsting for the things of this world, it'll just leave you empty time and time again. But those who hunger and thirst for the things of God, oh, they'll be satisfied. Then he keeps going. He says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown, what is it? Mercy. What's mercy? I think mercy is, it's not getting what you deserve. It's not getting what you deserve. You know, we, we keep the cross on the stage to remind us that when we come to worship, Jesus took the death that we were supposed to die, that, that song we sang, the scourge and the wounds that, that he took on our behalf, and he exchanged it. It's this great exchange. He took our our death that we were supposed to die and he gave us a life that we could have never deserved. That's mercy. That's mercy this morning. And, and, and Jesus says in his sermon, God blesses those who are merciful. In other words, God blesses those who have understood mercy to such a degree that they are people of mercy to other people. How, how selfish is it of us at times to receive the mercy of God but not to give it to other people? Right, he's called us and he's given us this mercy, not just so we can say, look at me, I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I have grace, but how many know so that we can be conduits of love, conduits of grace, conduits of mercy to other people. And this is what Jesus says in his sermon. Then he says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Eugene Peterson says it this way, God blesses those who get their inside world right so that they can see God so clearly in their outside world. Did you catch that? God blesses those that get their inside world right so that they can see God so clearly in their outside world. What does this mean? In our lives, we must continually be closing the gap on who we're perceived to be and who we really are. Right? Closing the gap between who we want people to think we are and who we really are. This gap is the character gap. And we close it. How many know the kingdom of God? It, it matters to have character. It matters to be a person of, of integrity. And that word integrity just means one, integer, one. That you're, you're the same person. You're one person. How many of God loves when we bring to him our brokenness? He loves when we bring to him our, our things we're struggling with. And in your life, you need a handful of people. You don't need a thousand people, but you need a handful of people that know the good parts of you, the bad parts of you, the ugly parts of you, the, the things that you're struggling with. Because how many know when we can get those things off of our chest and we can get our things out in the open, our sin out in the open, those are places when it gets out of the darkness into the light, that's when God can do the healing. 
And God does great things of, of in the light. I, I would just encourage you, uh, my wife and I, we have just committed, we're gonna be lights on, windows open, what you see is what you get kind of people, right? Like if we're having a bad day, we're having a bad day and you're gonna know it, right? It's like, if we're having a good day, we're gonna celebrate. Like that's just, how many know it's just so refreshing in those moments when it's like, you can just be the same person in public as you are in private. And this is what Jesus says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they shall see God more clearly. And I just wanna live as a person of integrity that I just see God's plan for my life, how God wants to use me in the kingdom. This is the promise of this beatitude, getting our lives in the light so that God can, can use us and then we can see him more clearly. By the way, I don't really have time for this, but I think it's so important. When you, when you expose the dark parts of yourself to the Lord and to other people, how many know God, God doesn't be like, okay, you shared that. Now I'm so surprised that you're going through that in your life. Now I'm just gonna distance myself from you while you figure it out. <laughs> how many know that is not the heart of God? In fact, God's like, finally, I've been waiting for you to come to the acknowledgement that you need me. <laughs> now what's he say? Come closer. God doesn't push you away when you acknowledge your brokenness. What's he do? He actually brings us closer. This is the heart of the Father. And this is why I think we can see him clearer because we get closer to him in these ways. Jesus keeps going. God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. And we, we, we could spend our time talking about the global conflicts and how many know we gotta keep praying for our brothers and sisters who are in the middle of war in multiple places all over our world, one of them being Ukraine, and we gotta pray for them. And uh, there's, so much, there's so much conflict in our world. You see, we live in this already but not yet reality. Like the, when Jesus brought the kingdom, he, he brought the kingdom of peace. When Jesus brought the kingdom, he brought all these promises that we're talking about. But the Bible says that we see in part now that one day we will see in full. And we can see moments of peace, moments of brokenness, but moments of, of God's restoration in the midst of brokenness, all those things. But one day we will be in the presence of God where there'll be no more wars, no more rumors of wars, no more conflict, no more brother against brother, sister against sister, no more divorce, no more separating of families, no more wayward sons or daughters, how many are just thankful that one day we are gonna be home in the presence of God? Well, there will just be perfect peace. This is the already but not yet reality though. What's the call for us? The call for us is that we would be people of peace in the midst until then. Romans, Paul says that in Romans this way, as far as it depends on you, not as far as it depends on the other person, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. You can't choose if the person you're in conflict with is going to come to the table with peace, but you can. You can take the first step. Yeah, you can sit back and say, well, I'm just gonna wait for them to come to me. How many know that's not what God calls us to do? Blessed are the peacemakers. There's a conflict here. Here's the peacemaker. I'm gonna come in and try and help make things right. And I don't mean to simplify things. Please hear me. I'm not trying to simplify a lot of complex situations, but I hope you can hear the heart of Jesus here is that we would be the types of people that can step in and be peacemakers, amen? And this is the last thing that he says. He says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Did you see this? Persecuted for, being, for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
God blesses people. God blesses when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. (laughs) Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember that ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Remember the world of the text? Jesus speaking to oppressed, persecuted believers. And he says, you're blessed when people persecute you. (laughs) Be glad about it. Be blessed when people mock you for your faith. Persecution comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes. And all over the world, you can look at the global church and persecution happens in different ways. And we're blessed to not, we're blessed to be able to be here on a Sunday morning and not feel like our lives are at stake for being in this place. But how many know that that's not the reality all over the world? Amen. Can we just acknowledge that? Many of our brothers and sisters aren't able to meet in contexts like this. But persecution comes in other ways too. Persecution comes when you stand up for your faith at work and people push you away. I just, I met with a family a few weeks ago that because they're, they decided to follow Jesus, their extended family has pushed them away. What's Jesus say? God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Keep doing the right thing. Keep following Jesus. Keep showing up. And, and he'll, he'll handle the other stuff and he'll meet you. What's the promise? The kingdom of heaven is yours. Even on this side of eternity, if it never comes to resolve, the promise is that already but not yet that the kingdom of heaven is there. So what do we do with the Beatitudes? All these lines. God blesses those who are poor. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and merciful and whose hearts are pure, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted. What do we do with this? Because if you're like me, you're like, okay, I'll start with this one. Uh, I need to become more poor. It's like, okay, well, inflation, that's already happened. So like, like what do I do with this? You might say, okay, I'm going to leave Sunday morning. I'm going to go be more humble this week. I, I would challenge you that that is not what Jesus is trying to get us to do here. What Jesus is trying to do through the Beatitudes is he's trying to give us a kingdom vision. And this kingdom vision reminds us who's in the kingdom. Whosoever would want to believe in him can come. The ways of the kingdom, the things of the Beatitudes, this is like a barometer to know how your life is doing in kingdom living. Like if your life aligns with this and your life looks like this, you are in kingdom living. And then we go and we, we witness about the kingdom by the way we live our lives. So what do we do with this? Three words. I want you to think about this week. The first one, I think the first word is trust. What do we do when we hear something like this? We have to trust that the ways of the kingdom are better than the ways of the world. And we have to trust that God's ways are better than the world's ways. And this will be competing in our lives our entire life. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world are exactly opposite. Counterculture. When, God's, when Jesus spoke the Beatitudes, he's speaking against the Roman kingdom. <laughs> he's speaking exactly opposite. So we trust. How many of you know Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, I believe? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Acknowledge kingdom living in your life. Trust that it's better and he'll, make your, he'll guide your path. What do we do, number two, with this? I think we repent. 
I don't know if we talk about this word enough. As for me, when I read this, I go, Lord, there are places in my life that are not aligning with this. So I repent, Lord. And then lastly, I think we surrender. We say, God, use my life. If you're anything like me, a lot of times my, like, I worship God with this hand and I'm still holding on to this one thing with the other hand. And what a moment for us as a church to say, God's ways are better. Kingdom living, the Beatitudes. Jesus calls all of his disciples together. He says, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way that you're called to live. And, and, and this is how you do it. You get close to the king. Get close to the king. For if you're, if you're close to the king, you don't have to try to be more humble. You'll just be more humble. If you're close to the king, you won't have to try and attempt comfort for someone in a tough situation. If you're close to the king, you've been with the comforter. Therefore, you just are a person of comfort. If you're close to the king, when persecution comes, you don't freak out. Go, oh my gosh, what's going on? No, because you were with the king who was also persecuted on our behalf. And you go, how did Jesus handle that? With grace and with love and with not my will, but your will be done. And so you're willing to go, you're able to go through this difficult thing because you've been with the king. And this is the call of the Beatitudes. What a moment to get to be there with Jesus. Could you imagine being on the, on the hill of the Beatitudes as he's preaching this sermon that we're here talking about 2,000 years ago? But it's a reminder for us to kingdom living, being with the king, trusting, repenting, and surrendering. And then I think this is what happens as I close with this last verse. This is what happens. This is right after the Beatitudes. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people ever taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bring out the God colors of the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket. Mind you, that kid's song, right? Hide you under a bucket. Oh no, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand. Shine, keep, your, keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. In other words, how do we witness about the kingdom? We be with the king and then watch how you'll be the seasoning of the earth. You'll, you'll bring out the colors of, of the community. You'll bring out the true colors of the kingdom. How many believe that, that God's given Calvary Community Church an influence in this community? That God's called us to live different? That God's called us to act different? When the world wants to go one way, we go the other way. And what's the reality? The world gets more beautiful. We bring out the God colors because the kingdom comes through the people of God. Amen. This is the Beatitudes for us. We're gonna sing a song about being like him. Would you stand to your feet? And we're gonna end our time.